Good morning to you. It's great to see everybody. Hope you're having a, a great start to your new year. Hey, we're going to get into it today. And I, let me just do a little bit of a, a prelim on this one because, you know, as a pastor, um, you know, it's the beginning of the new year. So I'm supposed to have something fresh for you. You know, uh, you got a balloon and I'm supposed to blow it up so that you can go wing, 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 make that noise for the rest of the week. And then each week I'm going to give you a, a, a new one and all that other stuff. And, um, uh, but I want to tell you today, sometimes, you know, you preach what you have to preach, you preach what you think you should preach, but then there are some times when God kind of really speaks to your heart. And if you think that's weird, I know it sounds weird, but pastors and people of God, my sheep hear my voice, are supposed to hear from God. So I can tell you, this one I've heard from God on. It's like, well, why would, you, why would he do that? Why would he make it so clear? Because when that happens, that means that he particularly wants to talk to the people that are in front of me, okay? So this is not just some general catechism that you give to the church, some general liturgy that's good for growing in, in, in knowledge and in faith, but sometimes it's like, I want to talk to these particular people, the, the folks that are going to be right in front of you. I want to talk to what's going on inside of your heart. Second of all, this, is, this one is going to be deep, all right? We were just ranked by Fortune Magazine as the fifth smartest church in America. Okay? I just made that up. But own it. Own it. <laughs> I mean, nobody's doing any studies. They can't prove us wrong. But, so, but let me just say, this is going to be, you're going to have to engage on this one. Um, it is going to be well worth you engaging in. Um, so, um, and then also, it's going to be divided kind of to the Christian it's going to start off there, and then it's going to go to the non, or I, like, I don't call it non-Christian. It's more like the uh, soon-to-be Christian individual. Uh, so, so let me, I, I will talk in both ways uh, to people today. So, um, so we're starting on the new year, and that's a great thing. I like it. I like, I like having something fresh, you know. Um, and a lot of us have implemented some ideas on how to make our lives better and how to make change in our lives. I love the new year because it gives you an opportunity to do that. Um, I, I'm implementing some things. I'm doing what's called EM2, E2M. Anybody ever heard of that? Yeah. Uh, yeah eager to motivate or something like that. And um, I, really what it is for me is uh, eating too much. That's what I'm doing is E2M. But so I, I'm excited about maybe getting in a little bit better shape, maybe lose weight. I don't know. I don't know if it will work. Uh, I'll probably ditch it, you know, about Super Bowl time. So there's a lot of things that we need to address in our lives and to keep up and to, to work on. But one of the things that overlaps all this good self-improvement is something that I've discovered or I really feel God speaking to me about and by relationship maybe speaking to you about is the overwhelming urge of lack. And I know that sounds really weird to say in like the richest country in the in the world, in the history of mankind, um, that there's this, this thing about lack, and, and I'm going to try to help you maybe grab a hold of it, see it in your life, but lack is no longer the measure of insufficiency of food or safety or income. It's almost as if lack has a theme. It's a narrative. It's like a cloud that's over the face of the earth, the face of our lives, um, it is like a driving force. 
It's kind of like, have you ever had something, hey, what's wrong with you, man? I don't know. I just feel like there's something wrong. Lack is something like that. And it is something that a lot of us are dealing with on the issue. Um, and, and then I began to look around and notice that the world is bent on perpetuating, creating a persistent lack within us. Um, just when you thought you had a car that was good enough, then for some reason you got to get a different car. If you had bought a 1995 Toyota Camry, okay, which is considered the all-time greatest manufactured, most reliable vehicle ever built, okay, um, if you had bought a 1995 Toyota Camry, you'd probably have about uh, 550,000 miles on it today, and it would still be running. But someplace along the line, you and I, sold our 1995 Toyota Camrys. But it wasn't because of need. It was because of something else. Maybe your family got big and you needed a station wagon. But, but you know what I'm saying. It's someplace along the line, you got a car and it's like, and, and, but it's not, I need something different. Or maybe you owned one thing and you, you loved that one thing and you worked hard for it. And then you decided that, you know what? I got to have two of those things. I mean, so... So one's not enough. Or, or maybe just when you thought you needed to lose 10 pounds, you now have been convinced you need to be doing squats and burpees, okay? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, unless you can do 100 burpees, man, you're not really in shape, you know? I mean, I burp every morning, you know, and successfully every single morning. Um, just when you thought you were a good parent, now you're being convinced that unless you're giving your kids organic with kale, you really love those kids? Do you really love them? Because you wouldn't be giving them that if you really loved them. And, and some of us are made to feel like we're not good parents because we've been told this, this lack theme in our lives. Some of us never rest. Some of us are always looking for something better because we are convinced we lack. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I've wrestled with this, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it in my own personal life. I don't think it's greed. I don't think in front of me today, I don't feel like the Lord's laying on my heart. Those are the greediest sons of guns that you'll ever find. You're in the top five Fortune 100 greediest church in the United States. No, I don't feel, I don't think it's greed. I think it's become something different. Um, I think we, li we are listening to a narrative of lack. Some of it's inside, some of it's outside. Some of it comes to you as criticism from somebody. Some of it comes from envy. You see what's going on in somebody else's life. Some of it comes to you from advertisements. Some of it comes from your past. I would say this is probably my biggest source of lack, is from the past. One, you may have a father or a, fa uh, a parent that you were just never going to measure up, you were never going to accomplish, and you have got inside of you this uh, unquenchable lack. No matter how successful you are, it's not good enough. You know, or, or maybe like for me, I was never hugely successful, but for me, it was like the lack of my youth. It's like always wanting to, you know, I used to run, man. 
You know, I, people will tell me, yeah, we're going to do a 10K. I'll be like, what's your 10K time? My 10K time was way better than that. And they'll be like, when was that old man? You know, in the, in the Stone Age? And it's like, yeah, I can't. And so I can live in the lack of what I can't accomplish today because I'm older. Don't get me wrong. There are things that we do lack. Lack is something you normally become aware of because of necessity or hunger or shelter or a need for medical attention. Right on cue. <laughs> but today, lack is something we're sold. And I'm not villainizing like, you know, Apple computer or, you know, Bill Gates or anything. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about, it's, a, it's like a theme. It's like a, it's like a story. Um, it's the persistent voice of lack that, that becomes the voice that haunts the soul. It, it's like in us. It's like the voice that keeps demanding over and over again. Um, and, and because here's why this is important. You've decided you've got to change your life. You decide you're going to implement some good things. You decide you're going to get better. But, but you may be falling for the voice of lack. You may be all geared up to do, spend a lot of your sweat and time in the gym or at work or whatever to create in something that will kind of that will stop the voice of lack and God's like whoa wait a minute whoa 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 before you go running off saying your life is going to be better wait a minute let's make sure what you're running after is better and, and let's make sure that you're not running out of this this seduction of lack it was the message of lack that got Adam and Eve in trouble okay so God creates uh in Genesis 1 God creates Every step of the process, he declares it's good, okay? Um, he creates mankind in his image, and he declares them good, and then he, re he rests in his creative good. Then Genesis 3. Now, the serpent was craftier than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Remember that phrase, that he was craftier. I mean, so what he's going to craft is going to be, it's going to be just perfect. I mean, it's going, to, it's going to get right in there. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruits of the tree of the garden, we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to her, surely you will you will surely will not die. For God knows that in that day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God and knowing good and evil. He says to her, um, hey, uh, is, there, is, there, uh, is there any thing that God has said that you know, you're not allowed to have? Is there, and he begins to talk to her and Adam and Eve are surrounded with the goodness of God. They're surrounded with goodness, and they have what they need. And he's so incredible, he knows exactly what to say to stir up lack. Just If I can just get you to lack. Because what do you convince somebody who's already been given everything, incredibly successful, wealthy, well-fed, what do you convince, what do you, what do you do? Just create lack in their minds that there's something missing from them. It's crafty. Now we're told in the story that they were naked. Why is this important? 
okay? I knew there would be one person, young man, that would turn as soon as the word was naked was said, that would begin to giggle, okay? And let me just tell you, every time I think about being naked, I giggle too, okay? So, so you're in good company. But, but seriously, why would the Bible talk about being naked? What is the significance of that? Because um, they don't have knowledge of lack. And when you don't have knowledge of lack, you're not afraid of being naked because there is nothing, there is no message of lack. I mean, nobody has told you, you should be taller, smaller, you should have better abs, you should be prettier, whatever it is. When there is no message of lack, you get to enjoy naked because you, you don't have to hide. Of all the messages that the serpent could use, he played a message of you lack something. The garden was filled with every kind of tree that they were, would, could walk past every single day and reach out and grab something. But he convinced them of all the trees in the garden, he took them to the one tree and said, this is what you lack. And see, for some of us, we are living out our lives and we're trying to achieve, we're trying to accomplish, we're trying to get new or better and all this other stuff. And it's, it's only because lack has been triggered in us. It's like, you know, it's crazy. You can have an amazing amount of stuff. I think it was John D. Rockefeller was asked the question. He was the first billionaire in United States history. He created Standard Oil. Uh, and he was asked, uh, how much uh, wealth do you need in order to be happy? And he said, just a little bit more. And it's like, um, they had all that, but he was able to stir up in them a lack. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband and he ate. Adam and Eve centered the view of their souls on what they lacked, not on what God had given them. And that's the message today for the Christian. If God did not spare his only son, will he not freely give us all things, the apostle wrote. But yet, as Christians, we still wander the earth like unbelievers in search of that which we lack. We are just as addicted, we're just as equally overworked, we're equally tired. There is no metric, no measurable difference between us and the unbeliever. We too are wandering the earth looking for something that will fill our lack when we just didn't realize that what we had been given to have sufficiency was already there. He, Satan, put them in tension with good with the power of lack. Isn't that crazy? Once you are fed the idea of lack, you will never enjoy whatever you got. It'll never be good enough. You know, have you ever been around somebody that's maybe a little bit wealthier than you? Nicer house than you, bigger boat than yours, and better situation in life, and you're just blown away that they're like just pursuing something more. And you're just like, oh my goodness, dude. I mean, you won. I was like, what, what more is it going to take? Now, but that's not just a wealthy problem. It's a poor problem, too. It's a problem with every one of our souls. 
that we can enjoy the good that God's given us, the good of the cross, because there's something in us we just, we, we just have bought into this message of lack. Up until this point, Adam and Eve lacked nothing. Now the theme of lack has left this tree and has now entered into the soul. And you know the results of this. Maybe not from the story, but from the effect of the theme of lack on your own soul. When the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked, they sewed fig leaves together and made loin, uh, themselves loin coverings. When the theme of lack controls your soul, you can't be naked anymore. You can't. You can't afford to be. Because why? Comparisons ensue. Vulnerability results. You can't be honest about your problems. On Sunday morning, we all got to come in here with our nice Bible belt fig leaves on. How you doing, pastor? How good? Praise the Lord. God's doing good. Great, great. You know, I don't believe half of your stories. No, I don't believe all of your stories because you're just like me. You're afraid. And that's what lack does. I got to show that I got it all together. It's all good. We're not like them. Lack gives birth to hiding. Lack gives birth to covering. Lack gives birth to the loss of intimacy. Lack gives birth to over being overworked, overachieving. You know, it's crazy because it even looks like a good thing. And it's not really a good thing. It's, it's born out of lack. They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his, wo- and his wife hid themselves among the, from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? Now, we know he knows where he is, right? I mean, I think we all understand that. You know, Adam doesn't know where he is. Because the pursuit of lack will get you in places you didn't think you were going. You will lose the position of your soul, the orientation of who you are. You will, Christian, you will lose the sufficiency and the peace that comes with Christ. You will find yourself out here someplace acting like a crazy person. It's like, it's like, dude, ma'am, you, you know, Christ has made you sufficient, right? Yeah, but. And we do these crazy things. And Adam lost his orientation because lack drove him out of his place with God. And Adam said, I heard you in the sound, the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Let me just say this. Adam and Eve fashioned for themselves some sort of loincloth, some sort of Neanderthal-looking fig leaf thing. And let me just tell you, the first covering did not work. A Gucci covering will not work. A doctorate will not work. A better house will not work. Losing five pounds will not work. The lack of, the soul lack became a part 
of their lives, and it becomes the motivation for so many things. It's, it's, it's weird. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's kind of like existential here, but it's kind of like, it's like it's a thing. It's not just like, hey, I need to pay my taxes. Um, okay, that's, so I need to put away some money. Okay, that's a real kind of lack, tangible lack. But this is more like you're never going to be enough. There's always going to be a woman that walks in that's wearing that dress way better than you are. And you will never be okay with you until you look as good as them. You know, there'll always somebody that you're going to go in their house and their house is going to blow you away. You know, I'm still, maybe I'm not, I'm, not, I'm still amazed when I go to somebody's house. Nothing wrong with it. I would love it. The trash can is under the countertop. You know, it's like, hey, where's your trash? All of a sudden they hit a button, the thing comes out. And I'm like, I hate my life. You know, it's like, that is so cool. You will always find something about it that you will lack. Your, lack. your soul will always lose its orientation if you buy into the theme of lack. It is the devil's craftiest message. He didn't say this to two schmucks that were down on their luck. They were the pristine Adam and Eve in the garden of flourishing. And he got him. He got him. We start chasing things out of a perceived lack. Um, the thing is, it didn't even start, stop with Adam and Eve. It just continued. We go on a little bit further in the story. Israel's in the desert after being led out of Egypt. 400 years of bondage. 400 years of being enslaved to the Egyptians. They're out there. They're being led out. Wouldn't you think that this is like Cinco de Mayo? I mean, wouldn't you think it's kind of like margaritas for everybody? We're partying up. We're excited. We're free. You know, we're just kind of all excited. Well, they begin to grumble against God. God provided them with a with deliver, but that wasn't good enough. And it's interesting. The lack of Egypt followed them into the desert. The same mentality. It was kind of like God could... God took the, the slave into freedom, but, he, but they took the lack with them into the desert. That mentality of measuring up, being good enough. So they cried out to God for food and he gave them manna and it was a bread-like substance. You'd hate it. Um, it appeared every morning. Um, they were told how to collect it. This thing called an omer, don't know what it is. I'm guessing it's a bowl. We don't know exactly how much it was. But it's kind of like they were told to go out and get an omer for each person, no more, no less, because God knew, knew what they needed. He said, go out there, take it every day and get it. And so and that's all you need. Well, they didn't listen to God. And because of the fear of lack, some of them hoarded it. They were told to eat it before nightfall. Some of them like, we better save it. We better save it. We can't trust God. Who knows? Maybe we'll need some tomorrow. So God made it so that when they woke up the following morning, it turned into worms. See, that's the thing. You can work hard to get a new house. You can work to get a new car. You can work to get a new body. You can do it all. I'll tell you what, unless you feel the hole of lack in your soul, everything will worm out. You know, it will. It'll worm out. Oh, I got to have that car. Oh, man, that's going to be great. It's like, yeah, six months later, I'm selling that car. 
It's like, but I told my wife, this is the one. I'm going to have this until I'm dead. It's like, dude, you didn't even make it to Halloween. You know, you sold the car race. It's like, what's going on? Then the, again, there is nothing wrong. And here's the rule that I found. There's nothing wrong with owning stuff. But until you feel the soul lack, you really can't own anything right. Even your kids, you know? I mean, you really can't. You, you, you'll, you'll kill your kids. You'll try to make them excel. You know, why? Why? Because, because of your lack. Until you can hold your own soul in Christ and possess the sufficiency of God, even that which you own, you cannot grow in abundance uh, efficiently in, in like how God wants it to be until you first fill this issue of lack in your soul. And as a Christian, we were already told that Christ is our sufficiency. So they were told to collect it every day. They were told then on the sixth day, God was like, uh, he's like, I want to give you a day of rest. What is a day of rest? It's a day where you don't listen to the voice of lack. It's the day that you rest and believe God is going to take care of your insufficiencies. So he kind of incorporates this. So he says, go out there. He said, well, let's do this. On the sixth day, I want you to gather twice as much. So you're gathering on Saturday, get, get enough, and there'll be enough there for Sunday. So what happens to the people of Israel? And it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out together, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long do these people refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you rest from lack. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. See, what is Adam doing? God says, where are you? Because Adam has left his place of rest. And I'm telling you, if you're a Christian here today, Christ died so that our souls can have sufficiency. We were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is no sufficiency higher than that. You were made a child of living God. You are beloved of God, chosen of God. You are cherished by God. You are the object of his affections. And we are to rest in that. But most of us, yeah. But you know, I gotta go to work. Do you? Yeah, you know, I, I gotta go to the gym. You know, the crazy thing is, is if you wanna run 10 miles, you can run 10 miles all you want. It's not doing anything positive for you physiologically. So just stop, more is not better. Three miles will get the job done for your heart. Matter of fact, briskly walk for 10 minutes and some cardiologists will say that will do the, do the trick for you. But some of us, it's like, well, I missed my 10 mile day. Okay, you missed it. The problem is, it's not that you missed that running, it's that you feel bad about you because you missed running. See, some of us feel bad we got to get to the next position. And God may have given you a great position. And you're not satisfied with it. So you'll give up the rest of Christ so that you can have the next position. I'm faced with it all the time. I get the emails and the invites to the seminars and 
how to grow your church past a thousand, how to be the pastor of a mega church. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm supposed to be the pastor of a mega church, aren't I? Am I? I don't know, but it's a good, crafty little message, you know? And, and then it's like, I got to do whatever it takes. And I'll even compromise the culture of Crosstown for the sake of growing this big because I fell for the lie. We're not, by the way. We're t- totally, I'm totally, I feel like we're, we're spot on with God right now. But you know what it's like. Nobody's immune to it. They lost the rest of their souls. They lost the Sabbath of their souls because they feared lack. It's no different for us. The voice of lack haunts us. It plays us. It deceives us. Never enough. And we won't rest until we think we, this thing that we need, we get. We think we need to be more. Some of our voices or sources have our number, and we are being played by it. Being played. It may be a particular subject. You may be chill about some things, chill about other things, but this one subject, you got to be the best. That one subject, I mean, it's, this is it. You're cool on everything. For some of us, it may be a particular person. I'm chill with 99.9% of you. I'm pretty chill. Not looking to impress too many of you. But I've got people, when they walk in the door, I'm already, oh, Susan, Susan, tell me. Is this, does this vest look stupid? You know, this is like, did I just say something dumb? And it'll be like, dude, why, why did that person jar loose the sufficiency of Christ in my soul? And some of it, it's either a mom, it's either a dad, it's some, usually somebody in the profession that you're in, you know, maybe somebody whose kids went to Harvard, and then you feel like your kid's a schmuck because they went to, you know, college at Charleston at Francis Marion or something like that. It's like, oh, and, but when they walk in the room, they say, my kid's going to Harvard, you know. I'm telling you, we all fall for voices. Um, and we think we need to do so much more. For the Christian, why are you still trying to earn what has already been gifted to you? The reason why you hate good is because you have the voice of lack in you. Some of you, God's telling you, chill. I have given you what you need. You need to start resting. You know, just chill. It's good enough. And, and, and it's different things for all of us, you know? Um, me, me and Susan, we're, we got a nice house. God bless us. We bought it in one of those periods when things were down and it went into foreclosure and we kind of caught it, you know, off of uh, auction and things like that. And, uh, and so, but we're just like everybody else. It's kind of like, we're not going to entertain until the house is ready. Okay. It's kind of like those people you see on the TV show, love it or list it. And so they'll be like, this is what you got. And David can fix it for you because it sucks. Or we're going to show you three other houses. And I love it because they'll, they'll go to these other houses and um, they'll be like, oh, wow, yeah, I really like this room here. And they'll go in the room, this multi-million dollar houses, go into these houses and like, uh, we'll, we'll have to redo the kitchen. 
And then it's like, the deck is obviously enough. We entertain a lot. I'm like, who are you lying to? You're a bunch of bozos. Nobody's coming to your house. I can already tell you're a doofus. Nobody's coming. You're just using that to buy a better house. How many of us are in mortgages we can't afford, not because we outgrew the house, but because the voice of lack in us committed us to a bigger mortgage? You know? Lexus just came out with what's called the uh, GX 550. Oh, my word. Do you know what kind of pastor I would be in that? <laughs> and I look at it, I watch the announcements of it coming out, I watch the videos, first test drives, looking at it. I drive past the Lexus dealership every single day, and as I'm going past, I look, it's like they got the new 550s. First time the 550s are out there, it's like a land cruiser. I mean, it's like amazing. Okay, you're gonna be blown away too. I figured out my, my payments. I could afford it for $2,300 a month. So I got to ask myself, how much lack is there in me? When I saw that price tag, I said, where's my 1995 Toyota Camry? But serious, we're all the same. It called, me and Susan, we got, like I said, we got this nice house. Okay, it's, it's great. But things have been breaking in it. So two of the appliances in the kitchen don't work. Um, matter of fact, one of them, if you open it up, in a party, a bunch of flies came out. Uh, uh, we have a stovetop. Three of the burners work. One doesn't work. Um, the microwave doesn't work, so we, we got this old one from Walmart. You know, the one that says, for popcorn, and you know, it's got the big button for popcorn, and we got that in another room. And I, we're not living hardship here. But uh, we would normally have said 30 years ago, we'd have said, we gotta get this, we gotta take out a second mortgage. We gotta get this fixed. Why? Does our popcorn not pop? It sounds like something Shakespeare would say. Does thy popcorn not pop? You know, <laughs> Rittenbacher or whatever his name is. So, um, and it's like, no, we took a new step in contentment. Now, I hope God doesn't challenge all this, but we took a new step in contentment. Our fireplace doesn't work. It's never worked. It's there, but you got to have gas. But we, we just haven't bought the gas tank to hook up to it. And it's a, it's a ventless, and I don't like the idea of carbon monoxide, or I think it's dioxide with, with that particular model, turns it into a mist. But I, I just don't like the idea. So today we, we went and I said, hey, let me turn on the fire. We got this beautiful fireplace and in it, we have inserted a $79 fake flame with below it with the little glow that comes out. And we're sitting there this morning, just arms around each other, drinking a cup of coffee, turn on, and we're laughing. I was like, we are so tacky. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but you know what? 30 years ago, we would not have been content enough in our souls, you know? Oh, I would have never invited you. It's like, let me just say, if you come over to my house, I'm not hiding it. It's going to be there. Paul, you can't have that out. That's embarrassing. It's like, no, I'm not. A, no, I am content in my soul with what God has done for me. You know, I'll tell you what, and here's the thing. You can learn things in contentment and sufficiency of the soul of Christ in you. I didn't know this was going to happen with my little $79 thing. Ireland comes to our house. Okay, so his four-year-old princess walks into my house every day. I mean, when she comes, she'll kick off one shoe, 
kicks off another shoe, takes her sock off, takes another sock off. Then she goes, turns on this fake little fireplace, lays on her back, and heats up her feet in front of it. Okay? From a $79 fake fire from Lowe's. What do I lack in that picture? What do I lack? But the message would be, you need to get this fixed. Stop striving out of your lack. Why are you living out your life, even though you're saved, out of lack? Your job, your culture, your wealth, your house, your title, your education. Stop striving out of lack. Begin to live out of his sufficiency in you. I think that's why he made the seventh day a day of rest. Because he was like, you want to find out if you struggle with lack? Try to take a day off. Pastor, I can't afford to take a day off. Okay. Then you might, be a, you might have something that you shouldn't have. Listen to Paul. He says this. Such confidence we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider ourselves as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God who has made us adequate. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed written to you from a guy in prison. Didn't have a TV, didn't have a mortgage, didn't have a house, didn't have a wife, didn't have a child, didn't have a retirement, and he's talking like he is adequate in everything because you know what? He said, oh, I am inadequate. I am totally inadequate, but I am made sufficient in Christ. See, we think religiously, you got to earn, you got to earn, you got to earn. We think professionally, I got to get to the top, get to the top, get to the top. What's the top? I will always find somebody that looks better in that dress than you do. I will always find a smarter person. You will always find a better preacher. You will always find, you know, a nicer house. You will, and, and God is like, listen, you need to tell these people before they start their year, before they implement their regimes on making their lives better, are you? You know, what voice are you listening to? It is out of our lack, out of the lack of Paul's own life and an abundant sufficiency of Christ in him that he says things like this. He says, I consider all things lost that I may know him. That's a guy. I mean, I can't say that. I consider all things lost. Heck no. I'm scared to death to make a statement like that. It's like, you, so you're telling me you could lose everything and, and God would say, it's like, oh man, yeah, yeah. Paul said, it is no longer I who lives through Christ, Christ who lives within me. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul didn't say, I've formed myself into, an, into a person of adequacy, of excellence, of the best. No, he's like, guys, got to be honest with you. All my good deeds are like filthy rags. I have really fallen short of the glory of God. So what's the next thing you do? Receive the sufficiency of God, the goodness of God. Paul was like, yeah, I can do all things. 
because when you're not afraid to be naked, I mean, it's incredible. When you don't have to hide anymore, it's empowering. I mean, I don't do a lot of things right, and you guys know that. You know I'm, I'm stupid on some things. I'm, I'm tolerable on others, but I am unbrilliant in one thing. I fight my inadequacies every single day. They come to me with the craftiness of the devil himself, but I will not submit to the voice that I am less than what Christ wants me to be. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you're like, well, so you're trying to be better? Not at that, that's for sure. But don't you think you need to lose some weight? Um, maybe, you know? It's, it's absolutely incredible what I'm learning here. For the not yet a Christian, I know that you're a pretty good person compared to the other guy, right? I mean, you had to come up with a standard on how you would get, you don't want the Bible. So you had to come up with some way of kind of feeling better than somebody else. So there's some poor schmuck that you get to be the Lord of the universe over because you're better than them. But let's be honest, you know you're not. You know? We all try not to look when a pretty woman walks by. I mean, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is the Christian man is like, don't look, don't look, don't look. But he want to look, he want to look, he want to look. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Naked boy. <laughs> uh, so, I'm sorry, I got way off. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you're, you know the pressure of the treadmill. Maybe you're here and you've just given up. You're right. I, I, I'm, dra I'm dragging my knuckles on the ground like Neanderthal. I just can't do it anymore. Uh, maybe you're working really hard to have a better fig leaf so that no one sees your flaws. Let me quote you somebody that you may respect that's not in the Bible. Because I know that if you're, you're a non-believer yet, you're here and you're like, I'm too smart for this stuff. I get it. I thought the same thing. Okay? So I'm not going to appeal to the Bible. Um, but I am going to appeal to somebody that I know smarter than you. And I know some of you are like, what a jerk. Okay? Let me just give you the credentials of Blaise Pascal, a 17th century thinker. He was a mathematician, philosopher, and inventor. He's created the theory of probability. He basically put to, together... Um, geometry. He made uh, significant contributions to the mathematics of calculus. He invented the calculator. He invented the syringe. I mean, it's like on your spare time. Oh, yeah. Um, he invented the hydraulic press. And he invented the uh, barometer. Um, so I don't know what you've been doing with your life, but this guy is pretty smart. And guess what? He did this all before he died at the age of 39. Okay? But here's the interesting thing he penned in his writings called the Panais. It's originally written in French. It was translated into Old English. So I'm going to read it to you, and it's going to sound awkward. But if you're, a, if you're not a believer, I need you to hear with somebody way smarter than most of the people on this planet and probably all the people in this room, what he said about, it's interesting, about lack. 
he wrote a sermon about lack. What else does this craving, this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness or which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This man tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeks in things that are not there the help he cannot find in the things that are there, though none can help. Since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. God alone is man's true good, and since man abandoned him, it is a strange fact that there is nothing in nature that has been found to take God's place, whether stars, sky, earth, elements, plants, vice, or adultery. Since losing his true good, man is capable of seeing it in anything, even in his own destruction, although it is so contrary at once to God, to reason, and to nature. He was the one that somebody took this and kind of abbreviated it and said that inside every person, there is a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. And until you fill that, you cannot live right. You cannot own things the right way. You cannot love kids the right way. You cannot marriage the right way. You cannot look at yourself in the mirror the right way until the sufficiency of God in Christ fills your soul. To be honest, we do lack, we all do, but our competence comes from God, not from the pursuit of lack. God wants us to abound, but out of his sufficiency, not out of our lackness. Next week, I'm beginning a series called Abound. God wants us to abound. But he was like, you cannot talk about abounding until you fill this hole, because otherwise it will leak, it will leak, it will leak, it will leak. You cannot abound until you have first found sufficiency for the soul. And it's only in Christ that we find this sufficiency. Unbeliever, a young rich ruler who had just about everything, who had performed about every perfect moral act that could be performed, came up to Jesus and said, what else must I do to be saved? He, out of his feeling of lack, did everything to get right. And the story comes to an end with who can be saved? Jesus says, with man it's impossible, with God all things are possible. When our soul has the sufficiency of Christ, it begins to help us manage the other lacks in our lives. I've got lacks in my life. I need to get that stove fixed. Um, I need to lower my cholesterol. I need to have a better relationship with so-and-so. I mean, there are things that I need and that I lack in my life. But when you rest in the sufficiency of Christ in your life, you can begin to decide, what do I really need to fix? 
What do I really need to achieve? Well, Paul, you need to have $500,000 in the bank in order to retire. You know, folks, I have been so scared to death about retiring uh, because I don't have $500,000. I never stopped to ask the question whether or not I'm supposed to retire. But I've been told I'm supposed to. And I'm told exactly how much money I'm supposed to have in order to do it. And I've been lying awake in the middle of the night, worried about amassing this 500,000. It's like, you know, once you get the sufficiency of Christ and you focus on that, because, you know, sometimes I wonder like Adam, where are you, man? Where'd you go? I remember you used to love the Lord. I remember you used to have this. I'm used to maybe you trusted in God. And you know what usually makes people not trust in God anymore? Success. You actually get what you wanted. And then you're scared to death. It's talking with a wonderful mother. It's like you all of a sudden get the baby that you want. And now that baby scares the heck out of you. You know? It helps when you know who you are in Christ. It helps you quiet the other voices. I love Psalm 34:10 that says this. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I love it that they pick lions and young lions. Okay? Because it's the apex predator. It's a person at the top of their game. A person who can do everything. I'll take control. I'll make it work. I'll get what we need. I'm going to be the best. I want to be at the top. And he says, he takes the apex predator and he says, listen, I wanted to tell you, even the young lions, I mean, I'm talking about the, the you know, the, you guys, faster than everybody else, stronger than everybody else. That's just about it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, then all that, he's like, listen, guess what? With all that strength, with all that wealth, with all that power, with all that influence, with all that power of terror and, and, and all that, it's like they end up wanting in, in hunger. Lack does not go away, even to the most powerful. But those who seek the Lord, they lack no good thing. It's like this is spoken by the same idea as being spoken by Paul. It's like, dude. You don't even own a house. Dude, they're going to kill you. Dude, you're in prison. How can you say this? It's because, you know, 30 more years on this planet's not going to make it any better. A bigger house is not going to make it better. A faster car is not going to make it better. You know, you seeing my six-pack abs is not going to make it better. It's not, and they're not there, just in case you were wondering. It's like, we gotta trust in God. If we wanna abound in the new year, we gotta be able to trust him with the Omer. And I, I think this is really where it's coming home. That God is saying, you're not trusting me with the Omer I gave you. Stop it, rest in me. Stop trying to put together a loincloth out of fig leaves. I have woven sufficiency through the death and the blood of my son, Jesus. Examine the lack in your lives. Are they real? Do you really gotta be this? Do you really gotta be that? Do you really gotta move there? 
do you really got to own this? Do your kids really have to grow up and be? Examine your pursuits, your must-haves, your must-gets, your must-bees. They may be wearing you out because God had already given you a life that you were supposed to be resting in. Father God, thank you so much for your love and grace. Thank you so much. And, and God, I'm preaching to myself here. I got so many voices that tell me I lack. And God, sometimes I listen to the wrong voice. Sometimes I'm listening to the voice of my father who's been gone for years, who said things and I've been trying to fill that hole up, fill that hole. I'm trying to please daddy. It's like, dude, daddy's where he's supposed to be. Are you where you're supposed to be? Sounds like you're lost, Adam. Eve, are you wandering? Are you hiding? When did you lose your confidence in me? When did you start following your lack instead of resting in my sufficiency? So Father God, we presented, we all tick, you know, for different reasons. We all respond to different voices. God, today may we all respond to your voice. And you are offering us um, a meal that on face value really lacks. You're offering us a piece of bread and a little cup of juice to the to the eye that does not want or need God or think it doesn't need God this looks incredibly insufficient but the amazing thing is that in what appears to be insufficient is the very sufficiency of God in Christ Jesus to all of us so, Father, today we come, and in the lackness of communion, we receive the fullness of communion. In Jesus' name.